Thank you for listening to the Martinis and the Macabre podcast. This show contains graphic content and explicit language. It is intended for immature adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. days ago and I was listening to music and the next song that came on was and I don't listen to music at work because I can't hear that buzzer when the door opens so, so I, why were you that day I don't know it just happened to be listening I was like eh, I feel like listening to something and because uh, usually I listen to like stand-up comedy or something something like where I can hear the ambient noise outside and uh, the song goodbye horses came on now, I love Goodbye Horses because it reminds me of Silence of the Lambs. It should remind everybody of, like, anytime you hear Goodbye Horses. Even if you don't know what Goodbye Horses is, you know if you, you know, watch Silence of the Lambs. You would know the song. Like, if I played it right now, you'd be like, oh, that. So, <laughs> my, I'm putting up a bottle of, like, vodka. And I'm shaking my butt. And I'm shaking my shoulders. And I'm, like, I'm out loud going, like, would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. I'd fuck me hard. I'd fuck me so hard. And I turn around, and there's a customer. (laughs) (laughs) I turn around, I was like, oh, hi, how the fuck are you? (laughs) (laughs) And there's a a lot of younger people out there, you know, especially college-age kids. They don't get a lot of references. I'm finding now, working with a college kid, I'm like, fuck, how do you not know that, you know? And uh, now it's either that person came in and thought... He was dancing and singing along and going along with the scene from Silence of the Lambs or Silence of the Lambs. Or he just asked a bottle of vodka to fuck him. <laughs> One of the two. Can't be both. Well, it could, could be. If you want if you really want yeah. to. Uh, thinking about it right now, I'm getting embarrassed. Yeah. You were quite embarrassed when you told me that the other day. <laughs> Billy tells me a lot of shit that I would never know about if he didn't share with me. It's called communication. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, it's Billy embarrassed himself for some reason. Billy did, Billy did something again. <laughs> I'm a fucking putz. <laughs> yeah, I'd be pretty embarrassed if I were yeah. you. Yeah. Saying yeah. those things. There's so many times, like, I went to the bathroom, I washed my hands, I looked at the mirror, and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you, Billy? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you like this? <laughs> All right, guys, welcome to Martinis and the Macabre, the podcast where we drunkenly discuss morbid murders, mysteries, and mayhem, and Billy's embarrassment. Put the fucking lotion in the basket. (laughs) I'm Erica. (laughs) I'm joined by my husband and embarrassed co-host, Billy. Hi. You'd you'd fuck me, right? I'd fuck you. Yes. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that was an interesting day for you. Yeah, I would say it was a hard day, but it wasn't. Meanwhile, I've been on vacation at home, enjoying myself with no one around to be embarrassed by. It's been wonderful. Yeah, how has your vacation been? It's It's been been good. It's been good, relaxing? Mm Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice change. All right. Monday, that shit'll stop. Yep. (sighs) Why'd you have to do that, Billy? Now you're ruining the episode. (laughs) I don't even want to do this this anymore. I'm out of here. (sighs) 
Anyway, this week we are going to talk about a really grisly 36-hour period in American history, the most violent prison riot that we've ever had here in the U.S. And if you can't tell, my voice is still a little bit under the weather. I'm going to try and hold it together for you guys. Anyway, this happened on February 2nd and 3rd of 1980 at the New Mexico State Penitentiary just south of Santa Fe and left over 30 people dead. Of course, this has nothing on Brazilian prisons where this kind of depravity happens every day. But by American standards, it's pretty fucking bad. Yeah, I remember seeing it with like Discovery or ID Discovery, whatever, like the world's worst prisons. You know, you, actually, there's like a there's YouTube videos that like count down the world's worst prisons. And um, yeah, um, Brazil is um, pretty bad. Yeah, I've, I've, they have machetes and cell phones and you can find videos online if you so choose to of what happens in these Brazilian prisons. It's pretty bad. All right, so this is something I've kind of been wanting to cover for a while now since I found out about it, Um, but it's a pretty depraved tale. The New Mexico State Penitentiary was built in 1956. (gasps) The depravity. Yeah, that's what I said. Out of my mouth. To give you an idea of the layout, which you can find images of online, There is a long hallway that runs north and south through the prison. Off of each side of the hallway are seven long areas of housing jutting out to each side directly across from each other. On the south end are six dorms and two cell blocks, and on the north are four cell blocks, an infirmary, and a psych unit. Now, the difference between a dorm and a cell block is that the cell block has individual cells that hold the offenders, each with its own door that has to be opened to let them out. A dorm is a large open area that houses multiple offenders with only one door to the entire dorm. So think orange is the new black. That That's a dorm. Or if you don't watch that shit, think of a big gym with bunk beds. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the prison I work at, other than the area where I work, which is the maximum security area, Each of the housing units is basically a dorm, but it's split into four pods. So each pod is its own little dorm. And there's four dorms within, or four, yeah, four dorms within a housing unit. Mm -hmm. So housing unit A is going to have pod one, pod two, pod three, pod four. Gotcha. So it's a smaller group that has to be maintained altogether. Is that good or bad? That's good. Okay. Because if something happens and shit gets crazy... It's less that you have to control at one time. So the dorms were originally built to hold 50 single beds for 50 offenders. But by the mid-1970s, the prison had become so overpopulated that they went from single beds to bunk beds to having some offenders sleeping on mats on the floor, holding over 100 inmates at times. There was also a shortage of custody officers to monitor the inmates as their numbers didn't grow like the number of incarcerated did. You know, it makes me think of Shawshank when, he, when Andy Dufresne said he was going to write about getting more books or getting a library. And then the, the warden was like, you know, when it comes to the taxpayers, they want three things, more bars, more guards, and more walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it mm-hmm. seems like we never have enough of what we need yeah. in the prison system. And what's weird is all it takes is just a little push and 
There you go. I mean, when you think about it, like you got like think of like a school. How many? How many? How many? How many students are there to to the teachers per teacher? Mm-hmm. Within twenty minutes, they could take over a school if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. I would hope kids aren't that fucked no, up. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, just just <laughs> just working the numbers. Like, how many inmates per mm-hmm. guard are there? Like, the, it, it, oh, any, yeah. at any given time, if they wanted to, it's really fucked up. You'll find out here in a yeah. little bit exactly how fucked up that is. And I mean, what happened was, like, somebody was like, you know what? Fuck this. Rush him on three. And then next thing you know, it snowballs. And that would be all it would take most places. Yeah. So, like I said, the number of officers didn't increase along with the number of incarcerated like it did. That put them at a significant disadvantage in a dorm setting with 100 free-range prisoners walking around. That's what I'm going to call them this episode is free-range. Yep. They live on a farm now where they can run and play with the other offenders. Yep. They just have their me time and they can just walk around, do whatever they want. Okay. Tattoo each other on the ears. Mm Mm-hmm. And the next. When new officers were hired, they got very limited training because the system needed bodies on the floor and not so much training of the officers. So those pretty much just get them a uniform and get them out there? Exactly. They Uh got fingerprinted. They got a uniform. There you go. Do what they do. That was pretty much it. Here's your uniform. It's not like that today. Here's your baton. Try not to hit him in the skull. But if you have to, hit him in the skull. The prison I work at... Lunch is at 11. (laughs) I I went through the basic... um, You had to to do jujitsu and shit. Yeah, I had to do self-defense classes for like three or four days with a lot of the uh, upcoming officers that were about to take the floor. They had already been training for a month before we started. Mm -hmm. So they have to go through at least four to six weeks of training before they're even allowed to step foot out in one of the housing units. But that was funny shit, wasn't it? It was. (laughs) So although the, the prison was initially built for working towards rehabilitating the offenders, that's where penitentiary comes from, from penance and, you know, being quiet and reflecting and... They're trying to rehabilitate you to be a better person. Penance while you're stationary. Penitentiary. <laughs> yeah, it, it it turned away from rehabilitation because the sheer numbers basically turned it into a need for control of the offenders. And it was simply keeping them alive while not letting them tear up the prison. That was the base, you know, goal that they had. We don't have enough people to reach this level. So we're going to do the bare minimum just to keep the fuckers alive and keep them from tearing down the prison. This is a weird, like, comparison, but it reminds me of my phone. You know my phone? phone? I don't know about yours. Mine has a battery saver. Power saving. Mm -hmm. So now it has all the bells and whistles and stuff like that. But if you put it on power saving mode, it'll drop it down to where the graphics on it are not that good. It takes it from, like, HD to 16-bit. Well, I don't use mine enough to really have to ever turn on the power. I don't. I, mode, I don't. But... I, I don't. I, I just, I was, I was diddling with it one day when I first got it. I was like, oh, what's this? What's this? Do? And, like, the, the 90, or the super-duper power-saving mode, there is no wallpaper. It is black. There are names of apps. That is it. There's no icons. There's nothing. That's what makes me think. I was like, okay, we want to rehabilitate them, mm-hmm. but right now... Let's just get enough to get by. Let's put the, the power save. Yeah. We're going to power save and just don't let them burn the place down mm-hmm. until I get off work. Then they could burn it down. 
Yeah, pretty much. Let me get that, to my car. That sums it up pretty well. There were numerous reports of abuse of offenders by staff that staff has actually corroborated. They were often hit, kicked, thrown downstairs with their hands cuffed behind their backs, and there were sensory deprivation chambers for when the staff really wanted to punish the offenders. They were locked in a cell with no windows, no sound, no ventilation, no bed, and no toilet for 24 hours a day. Now, here's the question, the real question. The question is out there that nobody's talking about. The hard-hitting questions. Would those guards have done that if they had a well-balanced breakfast? It is the most important meal of the day. Maybe not. They were probably hangry. Bet so. Man, there's some dangerous hangry motherfuckers out there. Or it was like their 19th day in a row because they don't have any fucking staff and they're just like, fuck it. And they didn't have a good breakfast. And they didn't have a good breakfast. Flapjacks go a long way. Flapjacks. You should have had a toaster strudel. Flapjacks will stop you from flapping a jack upside his head with a stick. Or something like that. Hashtag. I don't know. No flapjacks? Hashtag flapjacks for everybody. <laughs> So, there was basically just this room with a hole in the ground for them to use as a toilet, which I assume they would have had to feel around for in the dark just to find. With there being no ventilation, they probably smelled their own piss and shit, too. Ew, that means that they felt around and their hands went in their own pee-pees and poo-poos. Maybe. Or maybe the guy that was in there before them. And while in there, all they got to eat for each meal was a sandwich and some water. Staff has said that the inmates were very well behaved once released from one of these deprivation cells that were in the basement of cell block three, but I'm sure it had to do a number on the inmates mentally. One very significant case of abuse against the inmates was an encounter dubbed, quote, the night of the axe handles, end quote, in 1976. That's the coolest fucking thing I ever heard. Is it? Yeah. Let's hear. The night of the axe handles. Several inmates organized a work strike as a response to the poor conditions of the prison. I hope that worked out. Deputy Warden Robert Montoya authorized the use of tear gas against the protesters as a way to subdue them. But once they were sprayed and ran out of the dorm coughing and gagging from the tear gas, they were forced to run down the central hallway through almost 100 yards of officers beating them with axe handles. That's a hard night of the axe handles. Sounds so awesome now? I- Still. <laughs> You're holding on to it, huh? Yeah. I'll, stick to, I'll stick by it. <laughs> this was corroborated by both inmates and prison staff. Needless to say, this was not an environment for rehabilitation. It only stoked the fire. Now, as far as the types of housing and where certain offenders were housed, that depended on how potentially dangerous or vulnerable they were. The dorms, the free-range areas, if you will... Where they could roam and be happy with other inmates. Exactly. Where they could frolic. Roll and play all day. Mm-hmm. No, mom didn't have that dog put to sleep. Nope. On a farm. Living on a farm. Living out its 90-year life, right? Young and parvo. I know now. <laughs> so, yeah, the dorms were for the free-range offenders that weren't necessarily considered dangerous or were considered non-violent offenders. Maybe shoplifting or fraud, things like that. The cell blocks in the north end of the prison were the individual cells for those that were troublemakers or more disruptive, often having two or three to a cell. The worst criminals were housed in segregation cells in cell block three, which also happens to be where the deprivation cells were. 
These inmates made up approximately 25% of the population by 1978 and led to those cells holding over 200 inmates for a cell block meant to house 86. Damn. Cell block 5 was overflow for the worst of the worst. And cell block 4 was a protective custody type of unit for the snitches, the pedophiles, the rapists, basically any of the more vulnerable inmates because other inmates wanted to get at them to kill them. Cops too, maybe? Mm-hmm. The bad ones? Not, yeah. Not like, not, not like... I have at least one that I take care of in my... Not, I mean, like not like Deputy Steve, but just one that committed something bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because where I work in the high security, one part is protective custody. One part is for the really fucking bad people. And I do have one in protective custody. At least one that I know of that was a former cop. So, How's he doing? He's fine. Can't wait to get out. Yeah. <laughs> is he about done? I don't think he has too much longer. The prison needed to have some renovations done in 1980 in cell block 5, which housed some of the most dangerous inmates. They need to color the walls khaki. No. Brown is soothing. Maybe put some pictures up? No. Well, then what renovating are they doing? <gasps> Ooh, soda machine! <laughs> yes, son, they were putting in soda machines for the offenders. Ah, oh, cool. The really bad ones. Uh-huh. <laughs> Actually, in our mental health unit, every unit area is a different color, and one of them is like pastel pink. Ah. And I wondered why. Does that soothe them? Is that to intimidate them? Like, oh, you little fucking pansies. Why pastel pink? Why, whenever they talk to other <laughs> inmates, they're like, ah, you're that motherfucker from the pussy pink way, ain't you? <laughs> we got a vending machine. You got pink walls. No. You bitch. I mean, <laughs> in 1980, this place had been around for 24 years. It probably needed new doors or flooring or something. But it was something significant enough that they would have to take all of those inmates and move them to other areas of the prison during the renovations. Someone got the really bright idea to move... <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought of inmates, like, they're going back to their cells, and their signs up, and it's like, here we grow again, pardon the mess. <laughs> <laughs> Please excuse our mess. <laughs> and they just got done, like, working out in the yard, and they come back like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> my book is in there. Can I have my book? It's all I have. <laughs> well, like I said, someone got the really bright idea to move almost the whole block into the E2 dorm, where the free-range ones are, the non-violent ones, rather than place them in cells where they would be much easier to control and less likely to cause problems. So let's take some of the most dangerous offenders and put them with some of the least dangerous offenders. The guy... Where they can just they, mosey around as they please. They bunked a serial killer next to a guy who's in for mail fraud. Yeah. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> you have tattoos on your face, sir. Do you Exa know that? Exactly. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of um, George Carlin. God rest him. One of the best comedians ever. Mm -hmm. He said that we should get rid of the, I forget all the states, the four states that touch. The, the Utah, New Mexico, Arizona, yeah. and... Colorado. 
Was it Colorado? Colorado, Can, yes. Yeah. Get everybody out of there, pay them, relocate them, put up walls that block off every state or a big gate or a big fence and that's your that's your that's the prison for the country mm-hmm. and then one state is full of sexual predators the other one's full of thieves the other one's full of frauds the other one's full of murderers and then like once a month open the doors for 10 minutes and close them <laughs> <laughs> so let them weed themselves out type of thing that would be brilliant <laughs> <laughs> he was brilliant he was great yeah so basically now like i said you have all of these violent offenders in an overcrowded free-range dorm with minimal staff to monitor them, all frolicking and having a good time. It didn't take long for things to quickly turn bad. What, they didn't open up their heart and let the sunshine in? No, they didn't sing Kumbaya. Oh, funny. Earl, who's like in jail for shoplifting tampons for his mother. (laughs) Why? Is is sitting next to a guy who ate another human being. Why would you shoplift tampons for your mother? Well, the blood doesn't stop because you ain't got no money. <laughs> Tell that bitch to go rob the store herself. She's not feeling well. <laughs> Would you rob a store for your mom to buy tampons or to rob tampons for her? I'm a mama's boy. If my mom said go rob the store because I'm bored, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> All right. Thank God you've never been in prison. <laughs> <laughs> they ain't caught me. Hmm. Interesting. But they're sitting next to each other. He's like, Earl's like, have you like accepted Jesus? (laughs) Shut up, fish. He's your Lord and Savior. Would you like to take a moment to pray? (laughs) Can I lay my hands on you? You want to catch these hands? Oh, no, never mind. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, on Friday, February 1st, 1980, the prisoners in the E2 dorm had been drinking hooch all day and we're getting pretty rowdy because all these bad people are walking around this dorm. Custody staff didn't really feel like they needed to go in there and find out what was going on because there's not enough of them to go around. I get it. And they don't want to get fucking jumped. I get it. They're out there. They're like, look at it like, what's going on? They're like, I don't know. Fucking, it's just me. <laughs> I mean, we find hooch all the time at my prison and they're in pods where they're in cells with two men to a cell and we still find Huge fucking things of hooch all the time. So I can only imagine if they were all just willy-nilly walking around doing their own thing. It's like the movie Roadhouse in there. You're sitting there like, hey, should we go check it out? Like, hey, uh, Brian, it's my kid's birthday. No, I'm not fucking going in there. Kiss my ass. Let's sort themselves. They got themselves here. They got, yeah. they, you know, if, if they had done what they did, they wouldn't be here right now doing this. Let it, let it work out. Yeah, I will let you know that the only raw fruit that they get at our prison is bananas because because the other ones make hooch a lot more quickly Mm -hmm. so and it's a rare occasion when they get bananas sometimes but yep they've taken out whole property boxes that have like a trash bag liner in it just full of fucking hooch that shit you can smell it when you walk into the unit that shit is bananas b-a-n-a-n-a-s I learned how to make hooch in Iraq. Never did it, but I learned how. Hmm. Prison rules, huh? Prison rules. Well, all you need is uh, Welch's grape Welch's grape juice concentrate. Yeah, they don't even get fruit juice. That's probably why. 
Uh, you need a lot of sugar, a trash bag, and a pot with a lid. And you mix it all together, put it underneath your bunk, and then every couple of days you open it up for just a minute. It's called burping. You got to go burp. And you, you let some of the gas out. Otherwise, yeah, it's going to blow. you do that with a colostomy bag, too. Yep. You uh, have to burp it. Otherwise, it's going to blow. And then that's bad news. It will. And it's gross. And then give it enough time, and you got hooch. Mm-hmm. I've heard it tastes like shit. It's not good. Yeah. But who drinks it for flavor? Evidently, not prisoners. I don't see swirling that shit around in a glass. Like, oh, look <laughs> at the legs on this one. Oh, what, what year is this? Yeah, so evidently this whole Friday they'd been guzzling down this nasty fucking hooch they'd made. And they were getting pretty rowdy. And that evening there were just 12 officers for the whole prison. Who were, which in, who were envious. They were like, fuck, I want hooch. <laughs> Estimates state that the housing was at 1,156 or 7, depending on the source, for inmates at that time. The prison only had beds for 963, so almost 200 inmates slept on mats on floors to give you some reference. 12 guards for over 1,100 inmates. That's impossible. That's insanity. Yeah, that's that's impossible. Like, fucking, what would you... 12. That's ridiculous. For a whole fucking 1,100 people? Wow. So... How they would do the count in the dorms is that three officers, you know, a quarter of their whole patrol that night, three officers would go to the door of the dorms. Two of the officers would give the third officer their keys and enter the dorm to do the count, with a third officer locking the door behind them and standing watch. Now, pretty much any human would have reservations about walking into a dorm with one other officer and over... 100 inmates and being locked in with no weapons and they're all fucking drunk because they've been drinking hooch all day. Yeah. But especially at night when the inmates were all sleeping all over the floor and shit and the officers would only have a flashlight to lead them through the maze without stepping on anyone and waking them up in a drunken fury and making them mad. So, sometimes guards wouldn't even risk doing the count. I don't blame them. They would just call in the number from the last count time and hope no one had gotten out. Well, the night of February 1st, when most of the inmates were drunk, one of the violent offenders from cell block 5 said on a whim that they were tired of being in the cramped prison and being mistreated, and that if the guards did not lock the door to the dorm at the next count time, they were going to rush them and take over. They also stated that anyone who stayed in bed and didn't help would get hurt, pressuring others to go along with the plan. All of the more vulnerable people that weren't from fucking cell block five. The nonviolent offenders. Exactly. Ken. <clears throat> yeah. Ken from accounting. Mm-hmm. And Brad. Brad. And Phil. Mm-hmm. Yep. Con- All of them. Connor. Mm-hmm. There's probably a Connor yep. in there. Dalton. Yep. Reagan, but he wanted everybody to call him Ray, but nobody did. (laughs) Yeah, him too. (laughs) So, the guards actually intended to do their count that night, not necessarily following all the rules, but they weren't going to just call in the previous numbers. So, early Saturday morning, a little after 1 a.m. One of the last things that guy said was, I'm going to go count. No, I'll go count. It's efficiency, and that's how you move up. That's... 
<laughs> what did it? <laughs> All she wrote. The three guards made their way to the E2 dorm for count. With the severe shortage of officers that night, the bare minimum of security was used in an effort to speed things up, such as locking the door once the two officers entered the dorm. Well, shit. The two guards were jumped while someone kicked open the door and grabbed the third guard that stood outside. The inmates took their uniforms and keys and began to beat them as the dorm flooded out into the main hallway. A short while later, another guard coming out of an employee break room looked up the hall and saw hundreds of inmates moving up the hallway with an inmate in an officer's uniform guarding the grill, which is the term they used for one of those barred doors. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. The door had also been left unlocked against protocol, and the officer could see that the inmates were kicking the other officers that were now hostages while rolling them up the hall. So they didn't lock the door to the dorm, and they didn't lock the grill that led to that dorm. The guard ran to the control center, which was the opposite direction from the crowd, and he warned them of the horde that was headed their way. The control center was always manned by two guards, and it housed all of the keys to the entire prison and the control panel for all of the doors. It's the brain. Exactly. It's the main hub. Just two weeks prior to this new quote-unquote bulletproof glass had been installed all around the station. So you can tell by my air quotes that that didn't do a lot of good, right? And and what makes me feel bad is right when they broke through that, you know, those guards, like for a split second, really felt betrayed. Like, man, they said this was bulletproof. Damn. (laughs) I feel stupid. This whole time I felt so safe. Well, they were able to get out and lock the door behind them. But when the crowd reached the control center, they beat one of the guards that they took hostage, threatening to slit his throat if they didn't let them in the control center. The control guards refused to open the doors, made their escape, locking it behind them. So the inmates began beating the glass with anything they could find. One item they found was a large brass fire extinguisher. After a few hits, the extinguisher made a small hole. The inmates then used pipes and other items to make the hole big enough to climb through. The officers that had been in the control center and fled were able to escape to the north wing of the prison and they notified state police. By 2.05 a.m., the prisoners had, in theory, complete control of the prison. They had all the keys, but they couldn't figure out how to use the control panel for the automatic locks. You know, all I could think of is... Which is a good thing. ...is while you're talking, like... What the guards were saying all the way to the phone. Like, you know, because they had to run to get the phone. And they had to run from that control tower or whatever that's being taken over. And you just like, oh, you know, lock it down. Go to the north side of security. Let everybody know what's going on. Speak to HQ. Where's my backup? No. It was shit, 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 mm-hmm. shit, 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 shit. Because they never had any training in this shit. They were just there to count people. Even the ones that are trained. Even the most seasoned veteran guard would see that and go, oh, fuck me. Mm-hmm. That's a wrap. That's why they didn't hang around in that control center very long, regardless of the bulletproof glass. (laughs) Hey, what were you going to say to that whole group? Hey, better not. You cut it out now. Better not. Uh, Hey, hey, I'm watching you. This is my serious face. (laughs) Now you knock it off. Knock it off and let him go. And give him his clothes. Give him his clothes back. Mm Mm-hmm. That's exactly how it went down. Casual Friday's not canceled. Now you did that. 
You did that. I didn't do that. You did that. Quit hitting the. Quit hitting it. Quit hitting it. <laughs> well, state police began arriving about ten minutes later, and then pulled a U-turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, by this time, all twelve guards had been taken hostage. Authorities didn't storm the prison out of fear that the guards would be killed if that happened. And they probably would have. They posted up along the exterior fence line and started to try to reach someone in the prison they could negotiate with. <laughs> Imagine me, one of those prisoners, like, let me out of here or I'm going to fucking kill him. Calm down. Fuck you. Why do you think I'm here? <laughs> you think I have a problem with this? <laughs> I have a little bit of a problem with calming the fuck down. I'll do this any day of the week. <laughs> I don't care. Now I have a reason to. Those other 30, I didn't even have a reason to. I just did it. <laughs> While that was taking place, many of the inmates first hit the pharmacy, ingesting a variety of drugs themselves or taking the stock back to other inmates to share. So now a large portion of the inmates were not only drunk, but intoxicated with prescription medications. And then there's Chet. All he wanted was allergy medicine because it's been a weird season for him. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> they can't breathe. Okay. <laughs> D- okay. What do you got? What do you got? You- okay. Are there inhalers up there? Let me get it. Let me get a puffer. Do Just they have a Benadryl? <laughs> <laughs> do I look? Do, I- do my eyes look puffy? They feel puffy. Do you have Benadryl? <laughs> Shut up, fish. Okay. Well, fueled by anger and illicit substances, many offenders wanted to get some revenge, which is when the murder started happening. The first inmate to die was a detailer who, what do you call him, a trustee? Trustees. At our prison, we call them detailers. Someone that has a job in the prison. Uh, we, I've, always, I've always known them as trustees. We, yeah, we call them detailers. So that's what I'm used like to calling them. The ones who are good and, you know, you could yeah. trust. I mean, you could trust. They just want to make some money to save up for when they get out. Yeah. So, yeah, like, like one of those scenes was like, oh, we can't find him by the middle of the lawn. And you got that one guy, you know, Sam, who's like, I'll do it. I used to do, I used to do. Yard, and yard we work, have you know? detailers that are housed in our L dorm, which is outside our main prison fence. And they come out and they mow the grass and stuff outside the fence line and everything. Because they know if they don't go back, their ass is going to be hunted down and they're going to end up inside the main prison where shit gets real. <laughs> so they come out and wear different uniform and everything and they do all the landscaping and stuff outside the fence and they don't say shit and they're like happy to do it <laughs> you could do that with like anything if you're one of the guards go down to subway get me a meatball marinara if there's too much sauce on there so help me christ oh. yes sir <laughs> what, what do you say what do you say i will cast you down with the sodomites <laughs> yeah meatball marinara got it yeah yep okay. yep, yep sure. totally you want, you want pepperoni on that i'll pay <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's ten dollars. I want my change, or so help me God. Our the offenders they can't even have. Cash oh, they can't money. have cash. They on. can't have coins. They can't have bills. It's too much to bribe people with. Yeah, so they can't have any of it. So I've actually had them point out, "Hey, there's a dime on the floor. Can you get that?" Because they don't want to fucking be accused of taking a fucking dime off the floor. They'll see a penny. They back up against <laughs> yeah. the wall with their arms <gasps> up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like that. <laughs> I'd be a dick. Too. I'd pick it up and be like, wait, with this one? This one here? Mm-hmm. Guess it's going in my pocket. In my pocket. There it goes. That's where money goes. You wouldn't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, as I was saying, the first inmate to die was a detailer or trustee or whatever you'd like to call them. Poor guy. Who was thought to be a snitch. He was hit in the head with a pipe so hard that a piece of his skull hit the wall, according to an inmate who was a witness. Ow. That's really fucking hard. That's a that's a fucking home run. Bubba did that. That's a, yeah. <laughs> the violence escalated, including gang-on-gang violence, and soon there was talk of a quote-unquote execution squad running around revenge killing. Their main focus was cell block four, the protective custody unit, where snitches, pedophiles, and many of the mentally ill were usually housed. What the mentally, what the mentally ill people do? They probably didn't have enough room in the psych unit for no, these I'm saying, people. I'm saying why... But that's just that just happens to be where they're housed. They're trying to get to the people that have snitched, the people that have raped women, killed children, okay. molested children. They're not trying to get to the mentally ill. They just all happen to be they in the same to be there. unit. I gotcha, okay. Yeah. Do you know what would fix this? No, I don't know. If people it, being good people. I, I, I don't be I, a dick. Kind of going out on a stretch here, but I think a Glock would really put a dent in this if you're trying to fight it. Mm. I mean, it's not like they're armed with guns. But if they had been? Oh, it'd have been, oh, been, yeah, that'd have been bad. Yeah. That'd been really bad. Yeah. That's why most prisons don't allow batons, guns, any weapons other than like the tear gas spray, pepper spray yeah. type stuff. Because then if something happens to him, then it's a grievance and it's a lawsuit. and Paperwork. It's just paperwork. I hear you. Offenders with all that time on their hands have nothing better than to do than to file lawsuits against people that work for the prison. Just saying. Giving against you right now? Do you have anything pending? No. Not yet. Knock on wood. No several nurses who do. And they it's all, it's all bullshit. I mean, one guy even flat out said, yeah, I know you didn't say that, but that's what I'm going with. <laughs> I know you didn't say that, but here we are. Yep. Because I'm going to chart to cover my own ass. And that's how I've been for almost 12 years. If I charted it, that's what fucking happened. So I'm not going to be one of those nurses that goes back into court and they say, well, did this happen? And I go, I don't know. I can't remember if that happened or not. I didn't chart it. So no, I'm going to chart everything. Check my shit. And I'm going to put down references to your previous visits, and my case is going to be airtight, not yours. Nice. Ha ha! Touche! <laughs> Fabergé egg. Whoa. I don't fucking know. To get to cell block four, where all of the protective custody people were, on the north end of the prison, they had to go through the psych unit. There they found more drugs... And then set a fire to burn their psychological medical records, as many felt those records kept them from obtaining parole. Well, what they're doing is not helping them with their parole either. But they can't prove who burned them. Well, they're in the riot. That but does at this not point, help. at this point, though, almost all of them covered up their face with some type of cloth or a piece of clothing. Right. And it, you'd be hard pressed to find people that would testify against you when it comes to this shit. <laughs> oh, I snitched before and they came to get me. Let me snitch again. Mm, highly unlikely. But anyway, they set this fire and tried to burn their psych records. And when they got to cell block four, they had keys to get into the cell block, but no keys for the individual cells. 
And since they didn't know how to work the automatic locks on the control panel, they would have to find another way to get to the offenders inside the cells. They found some acetylene torches that had been left in cell block 5 by the construction crew that had been working there. They left their fucking tools in the prison. I'm sure that wouldn't fly today. That does not meet OSHA standards. (laughs) It would take a while. But they could burn through the metal bars of the cells. Not like they don't have time on their hands. They're in prison. Yeah, so they got to work doing just that. You said one prisoner, like, this is going to take forever. And the other prisoner's like, you going anywhere? Yeah. (laughs) Around 4 a.m. on Saturday, a line of communication had been made between inmates in the prison and authorities outside the prison. (gasps) Was it Passenger Pigeon? It was. Oh. I hate birds. You do. They don't like you either. I'll eat a bird. <laughs> give a fuck. No, you won't. I eat chicken all the time. True. I take that back. And I had an ostrich egg. When? West Virginia. Why? Oh, Virginia. Where's Richmond? Virginia. It was an omelet. Ostrich egg omelet. What? It was big. Why? Why are you? What? <laughs> what? Fucking ham. You'll pass up a ham and cheese omelet. Who has fucking ostrich eggs to make an omelet? The ostriches. They lay them. Stupid. You're right. It was this upscale restaurant in um, Richmond, Virginia. That's upscale? An ostrich egg? Well, we we met the dress code because we're in uniform, but everybody else was wearing suits. And the silverware looked good. So. It was clean. There weren't any water spots <laughs> on it at all. I'm starting to realize how much of a hick I am. Oh, <laughs> you didn't see those plates. Those, the it plate, looked uh, like crystal, but it may have just been glass. The plates had the logo of the restaurant on it. <laughs> Maybe so. they just got that from some guy with the same last name that lived around the corner on <sighs> ostrich egg omelet. Yeah. Was it big? Huge. <laughs> I bet it was like that's in one egg omelet. Like, you, you know the you know the quesadilla you get from Taco Bell. No, I don't. I don't get quesadillas. Did I make that awkward for you just now? It's that size. <laughs> Quesadillas. Quesadilla. Well, I've. I mean, I think it's upscale. Twenty dollars for a fucking omelet. That's upscale. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. Who's making jokes now? Ass face. It's a fucking ostrich. Why? Tastes like chicken. I mean, tastes like tastes like chicken. Tastes like chicken. Tastes like a regular egg. I mean, it was just really big. I would imagine so. Ostriches are really big compared to chickens. Yeah, especially free range chickens. I got like halfway through it, and I was like, "Damn, big ass egg." How much more of this I could do? Dude, it was as big as a quesadilla, and as thick as like a whopper. It was big. Damn. Yeah. Someone has to have an ostrich farm nearby, I assume. I guess. Or they got an ostrich chained down to the bathroom. That sure eggs. it wasn't an emu. It was, it was. I don't know what the difference is between an ostrich and an emu. It was. E- but I'm still going to pose the question. It was e-yummy. All right. Good Not talk. something you go to yuck.org for? I mean, it had like five cheeses in it and stuff. And it had like black forest ham and cured ham, salted ham. It had everything in there. It was really good. Best ham and cheese omelet I've ever had. So I need to find out where to buy ostrich eggs. Let's just buy an ostrich. Yes. Yeah. Name him Pecker. Uh, Birds have beaks. They peck. Yeah. Pecker. We have kids. 
So. Riot. <laughs> yeah, back to the riot. All this egg talk. Yeah, the authorities had established this line of communication and there were a handful of inmates that were considered kind of the quote-unquote leaders in the riot that spoke to the authorities on behalf of the other prisoners. Dr. Mark Orner, the prison psychologist from 1974 to 1980, because he fucking quit after this, I'm sure, states that the first quote-unquote demands that were made were for there to be a pool table in every dorm and for steaks to be served. Yeah. Set your standards low and go from there. He claims that this shows that the intent of the inmates was not a true negotiation for better conditions, but bullshit to buy time so that they could continue their rampage of torturing and killing. What if it wasn't? What if they were dead, like, dead ass? They're not going to give you billiard balls and pool sticks to beat each other with. Well, if they're like, you know, they're they're on the phone, like, we want pool tables, and that guy in the back's like, get the one with the red felt. (laughs) Red felt. Well, while the bars were being burned through in cell block four, prisoners yelled out to authorities stationed outside for help. Authorities could also hear inmates talking over walkie-talkies about their plans for the prisoners in cell block four, including torture and murder. But authorities never moved to enter the cell block, even though there was a back door. They agreed to stay in place outside the fence as long as no officers were killed. And by 7 a.m., an injured guard was carried to the front gate. He had been beaten, kicked, and stabbed, and inmate leaders decided that he needed urgent medical attention. As as one would, having been stabbed. Well, they knew that if they killed a guard, they were then done. authorities would storm the prison and they would most likely die themselves. So they made sure to bring this guard out so he would survive. Now, I wonder what the look on those prisoners' faces would have been. Like, this would never happen. But kind of like calling their bluff. You know, like, they want this, 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 or people are going to die, blah, 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 blah. And they, and, and, but the prisoners know, like, you kill one officer, they're di- they're they're dead. And so you'd be like, oh, we don't care. We're going to storm your place in about a half hour. So go ahead and make your peace with God. We spoke to the officers' families. They're cool with it. We're going to storm the place. Everybody's going to die. And then we're going to burn the place down. So uh, you have a half hour, but I bet you how many how many inmates would come out like fuck? <laughs> they would just come out, take the mask off, like fuck. Okay, whoa. But in the same token, not everybody that's incarcerated is there because they're violent. Oh no, or evil. No, no, no or no. mean spirited, and to just sit back and watch them be slaughtered. Something about that doesn't sit right with me. No, the whole thing shouldn't but have happened. I understand they're looking for. The least amount of casualties on the quote-unquote good side as can be afforded, which would be the 12 fucking guards for 1,100 fucking prisoners. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. But my, what I'm saying is I wonder what would happen if you just came at him with that. Like, like, uh, like. I honestly don't think it would have changed much. By this point, they were drunk and intoxicated with who knows what kind of drugs. Right. I don't think it would have made a difference. But like what I'm thinking, I think of the game The Last of Us. Which is one of the best video games possibly ever made, and um, there's a cutscene where like he's interrogating somebody, but he's killing him in the process. Mm-hmm. Like he's not going to get out of it. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like that. That's like that, that type of mentality where it's like okay, um, and they're like you know like the prisoners like we want to negotiate, and then like they're like no, we're not going to negotiate. We actually have an 80 millimeter mortar that we're going to fire at you here soon. 
So um, go to whatever corner of the prison you want. We're going to hit all of them. Well, and also... You know, and, and, and you'd be the one bluffing, but they'd be like, fuck. And we'd had prison riots before this, but not to this extreme. Yeah. So they were kind of in uncharted territory, too. And they probably didn't know exactly how to handle the situation. Nah. And that's what, that's what I said earlier. Like, it could be the most hardened fucking senior officer of the officers seeing a wave of inmates run towards you. You're like, oh, fuck this. No. Mm-hmm. This is not in any manual. Pretty sure. And they've taken my fingerprints and put me on the floor either. This is... This, <laughs> This ain't supposed to happen. Yeah. What, this right here? That's supposed to happen. Yeah. They're out walking around. They're not supposed to walk around. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to walk in circles inside that they're room. They're not supposed to be free range. They're supposed to <laughs> They're supposed to walk around in circles in that room we put them in. That's what, that's what they're supposed to do. Yep. That six by nine room. Yeah. <laughs> well, by 10 a.m., over a dozen inmates who were considered snitches in cell block four had their bars cut through. They were pulled out, tortured, hanged burned alive, and or dismembered and decapitated. Axe marks would later be evident in the floor where an inmate had been decapitated by an axe. Another inmate was decapitated with a shovel. One had a hot bar that had just been cut through with a torch shoved through his head. Is he okay? No, he died, Billy. It went through his head. Through his noggin. That's where that their brain is. And it was hot. Like, it burned that shit inside. Like butter. Like butter. There was an inmate who was partially decapitated when he was flung off of a balcony with a rope around his neck. His corpse was then pulled down and dismembered. Jesus. An inmate named Mario Urosti had been sentenced to prison for shoplifting. Here's one of those people I was talking about that is nonviolent. Yeah. He had been placed in a unit with violent offenders for some reason when he first arrived and later claimed he was gang-raped by seven inmates. He filed a lawsuit against the seven inmates and was put in cell block four for protection. That probably wasn't a good place for him to go, given the circumstances right now. He was found hanging from his cell bars with his throat cut and genitals cut off and shoved in his mouth. Jeez. All he had done was shoplift. All he did was shoplift, which was a mistake, and he's paying for it. Well, not in that, I mean... He paid the ultimate price. He paid the fuck, man. I hope what he shoplifted was, well, whatever. One inmate's murder was witnessed by authorities outside that were looking through windows in cell block four with binoculars. They could see the inmate being held up by two other offenders on each side. Another offender began burning him all over with one of the torches, eventually focusing on his eyes. After a few moments, according to the officer that watched it happen... The offender's head literally exploded from the boiling liquids and buildup of gases inside his skull. Ick. Yeah, and there's a documentary on YouTube you can find about this, and you can see the officer talking about this, where he's looking through the binoculars, and he turned to the other guy, and he's like, did you just fucking see that? And they still didn't do anything. Jeez. It's kind of messed up. Now, according to this documentary on the riot... 16 inmates in cell block 4 were murdered that day, though some sources say it was just 12. Many of them had to sit and wait and watch what was happening to others in the cell block for hours before their own cell bars were eventually burned through, knowing they were going to be tortured and murdered like the others. And if not for the violent inmates having to take the time to burn through so many bars just to get to the protective custody offenders, the death toll would have probably been 
much higher as there were 96 inmates in that cell block. If they had figured out how to work those automatic locks on the control panel, this could have been a lot fucking worse. Yeah. Yeah. A fire was started in the gym on Saturday for corpses to be burned. By 5 p.m. it had reached the basement of cell block 3 where three guards were still being held hostage in a cell. There was a foot of water on the basement floor from flooding and smoke was starting to billow into the basement. The three guards were then relocated to a day room in cell block 6 by that evening to make sure they didn't die. Inmates taunted them, carrying in the head of the inmate that had been decapitated with a shovel. It was held in front of each of them and they were told to choose who would be the next one. And this fucked up a lot of these officers for a very long time afterwards. uh, Yeah, I'd imagine. Negotiations continued between authorities and four spokesmen for the inmates, one of which was an inmate named Lonnie Duran. He had worked with another inmate named Dwight Duran. No relation, but a pretty good band. Are they, though? Duran Duran. Are they, though? They are. Are they, though? They are. I played them the other night, and you were like, oh, man, this takes me back. What song was that? Uh, Ordinary World. Yep, that's a good band. Mm-hmm. Rio. You know. But. Duran Duran. They didn't do Africa. No. But is that band known for anything other than Africa? They don't need to. They don't need to. You're right. I'm wrong. Moving on. I'll shut up. (laughs) So yeah, they had worked together a few years before on a 99-page handwritten brief that was submitted to the courts in 1977. It relayed not only the night of the axe handles, but also the specific medical neglect surrounding a specific inmate, as well as poor living conditions, medical care, and various other grievances. Lonnie Duran repeated 11 of the demands made in the decree while negotiating, focusing on many poor prison conditions and loss of educational services and programs. The prisoners demanded to speak with the media and to have a sit-down with independent federal officials about the prison. As negotiations went back and forth, Inmates requested a doctor to be brought in for some of the wounded guards inside. That request was denied, and the inmates were asked to bring the injured guards out. Two officers were carried out on blankets, having been badly beaten and raped. Two more guards that had been fed and protected by sympathetic inmates were disguised as inmates themselves to allow them to be escorted out of the prison. Negotiations stretched into Sunday, February 3rd. By midday, most of the prison inmates were lined up along the prison fence wrapped up in blankets. They were simply trying to escape the violence inside and left a dwindling number of inmates with a stronghold on the facility. They were like, fuck these guys, they're crazy, just let's get an end to this. All of the guards were eventually released, seven of the twelve having serious injuries, and requests from many of the controlling inmates still inside to be transferred to other facilities out of state were approved. And at 1.30 p.m., 36 hours after the riot began, it came to an end. Some sources say 33 inmates died during the riot, though I have also seen 34 in my research. Some died of overdoses, which could maybe account for the difference between the 12 to 16, maybe, well, maybe it's like how many, how many deaths and how many murders. Yeah. Do, you know. I, I, I can't imagine people taking <clears throat> drugs to the people in cell block four to give them, mm. but 
I don't know. Possibly. But most were violently murdered, but no guards died. Although they were mentally fucked up for a very long time to come. I have a question. Uh, you just sent me this outline today, so mm-hmm. I, I really haven't had a chance to look at it. But um, tell me, did, they tore the prison down, right? No. It's still standing. It's still standing. We'll get there in a minute. Ah, oh, come on. Just level the building. And st- mulligan. Have a mulligan. Just tear it down. Nope. They didn't do have that. A fuck it, you know, control, alt, delete. Have Complete a redo. opposite. Let's get to it. Oh, All right. Fuck, man. Come on. So the prison. Have a heart. The prison was trashed, having been flooded and damaged by fire and smoke, as well as the cells that the torches burned through. Dead bodies and body parts were all over the place, as well as needles used to shoot up, piss, shit, blood, you name it. It took several days before the prison could even begin to house inmates again. Most inmates involved in the riot and violence pretty much got away with it. They had covered their faces, making them hard to identify, or if it was known who they were, it was difficult to find another inmate or guard that would testify against them. Because we saw what happens if you do that shit. Exactly. The most anyone got out of the whole riot, 30-some people dead, was nine years added to their sentence. Despite complete destruction of government property, brutal assaults and rapes, and mass murders, The prison itself never fully overcame the riot and closed down almost the entire prison in 1998. 18 years later. It stayed open until 1998? Even then, the infirmary stayed open. But in 2013, you'll be happy to know, the prison reopened its doors as a tourist attraction. Why would you want to visit and take pictures of that shit? For less than 20 bucks, you can take a walk through the location of the worst prison riot in U.S. history. That goes towards Aren't the... are you proud to be an American? That goes towards the state, too. The, yep. The tourist, the tourist uh, agency, the tourist whatever the fuck it's called. Now, there was yeah. major reform in the prison system after the riot, so hopefully this will never happen again, but... I fucking hope so. Yes, you can give your money to the government to go tour a place where all these people died. Okay, here's the question. What? Would you pay less than twenty dollars to take a tour of that place? You want to go to the was it the Mutter Mutter? You want to go Mutter Museum? The, the Mutter Museum. You want to? I, I'm willing to bet you want to go to the catacombs in France. I'm willing to bet you want to go to all these different places and all that shit. You know, like you want to see all the stuff that's that is in definition of our title macabre. Would you go to that one? I mean, you went to the museum that was in your own prison. I true, but that was for historical artifacts. I'm not. I'm pretty sure you're going to find some historical not, shit there. I'm not taking a tour of an empty, vacant space where people died. If I went to the Mutter Museum, I would be watching and looking at the different artifacts, the different things that they found. It would be the actual main staple of my visit. If I went to the catacombs, I'd be looking at the bones, the skulls, that would be the focus of my visit. Walking into an empty prison, I don't think I would. So by that logic, would you pay for a tour of Auschwitz? That's a building. Those are buildings that people died in. True, but it wouldn't be. I would do that out of reverence. There's a historical impact on that. That I would be more inclined to do just because of the grand historical reverence of that. But if I go to see something, I want to see 
what I'm there to see. And okay. walking through an empty prison not, is not going to give me. That. And I'm not making. I'm not making. I'm not. I'm not comparing the 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 prison to Auschwitz. I, I want that to be known. I'm just wondering, like, what what are your standards of what you would actually pay? Yeah, I mean, money to go to go. See? I can't say. I mean. Just like any of the numerous supposed haunted prisons around the U.S., it'd be neat, but I don't know that I'd pay to do it. It's no. just an empty, vacant building. Yeah. I mean... <gasps> do you think that tourist location's haunted? If any place is fucking haunted... I've not heard anything about it being haunted. Yeah. But, who knows? I don't know. But there you go! That's the New Mexico State Penitentiary Prison Riot of 1980. You hope you enjoyed hearing all the grisly details. Oh, happy Halloween. It's Halloween. Yes, it's Halloween we're recording this. And no, we're not disregarding our kids. Our trick-or-treating got pushed back a day because the weather here is shit. It's Because it's Indiana and it's fucking shit. Oh, my buddy Todd. Um, he's, he's back in the States and he uh, posted a picture from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, like four inches. <laughs> Colorado, our our beloved state. Mm-hmm. Uh, snowstorms. That's the first time we ever saw snow as early as Halloween was when we lived in Colorado. Yeah. Yep. It is blustery winds today. Very cold. Started snowing this afternoon. And so they decided to push our trick-or-treating back to tomorrow. So instead of recording on Friday like we usually do, we're recording tonight on Thursday. Which means I had to kick it into gear and get this outline pumped out for Billy, which means he couldn't look over it like and, I usually try and do. And Erica is taking trick or treating duty this week. I am, or this this year. I, I, I for the past couple of years, I've always uh, I'm taking Nugget taken and his cousin. Yeah, and then me and Phaser are going to stick around and throw He's candy. Minimus no one I'm sorry. We're going to throw <laughs> candy at kids. Don't throw that at them. You what? can just put it in their bucket. Oh. It's all about the children. I'm actually They're a good future. I'm actually a good guy. Teach them well. Let them lead the way. It sounds like that was a song. I bet that was a song. It was. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Do your thing. All right, guys. We hope you enjoyed hearing all the grisly details of this episode. And you guys know where to find us to let us know. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Martinis in the Macabre. And we also have a fan page on Facebook called Friends Who Like Martinis in the Macabre. You can also follow us on Twitter at Martini underscore Macabre. And feel free to post whatever you like from funny to morbid. And please share. That's the easiest and completely, totally free way to help us out just by spreading the word. It really means a lot if you do that. If you want to go a step further, then please get on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, basically anywhere you can leave a rating or review, and we hope it will be a positive one. And don't forget, if you send us a snapshot of your review, we will send you a sticker. And if you've already left a review but haven't sent us a pic... Remind us! Yes, you can still do that and get a sticker, even if the review is old. And if you have, and if you've given us your address and... And you we haven't. haven't remind, just remind us. Yeah. If if we have not sent anybody anything, please let us know because if it's not right in front of our faces, we fucking forget. Life is busy. We're only human. Don't, oh. don't fucking judge us. You can judge us a little. Just don't hate us. <laughs> you can hate us. Just don't tell us. There you go. <laughs> you can tell us. Just don't be mean about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're just going to keep pushing it. You can be mean about it. But just, say, just say sorry afterward. <laughs> you don't have to say sorry afterward but if i see you at least give me a high five 
If you want to go balls to the wall and financially support the show, you can make a one-time donation in the amount of your choosing via our PayPal link at the bottom of the homepage on our website, martinisandthemacabre.com. Or you can set up a pledge for monthly donations through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash martinisandthemacabre. Even a $1 pledge gets you access to our patron-only audio each month and a shout-out on the show. And for just a few dollars more, you can get some exclusive goodies. And if you're a patron, you just heard our recent release of some urban legends that we put out for Halloween. It's spooky. It's spooky. Not oh. really. It's more morbid than anything. Still good, though. So, yes, if you donate to our Patreon, every single dollar is hugely appreciated. We thank you guys so much, especially all of our past patrons and our current patrons. Kirsten, our baller, yo. Bender, Bonnie, Bridget, Caroline, Chelsea, Christina, Cooper, Corey, Donald, Dylan, Belfast, Grace, Harleen, Heather, Jennifer, Jolene, one of our new ones. Thank you, lady. Kate, Christy, Kristen, Lady Danger, Marie Maxime, Molly, Monica, Sue, Vanessa, and Veronica. You awesome snuggle bunnies have our undying love. I love you. And I hope you have a happy Halloween. And for any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, shoot us an email at martinisandthemacabre at gmail.com. Or you can use the contact page on the website. Also on the website, you can find a bio about us, a complete episode catalog that you can binge, and all of the music created by Minimus Noah that we use at the end of each episode. And keep listening because there will be a new one at the end of this episode. And he says he's got a couple more he can send me. Woohoo! That about wraps it up, guys. Once again, thanks so much for listening. Stay safe, Snuggle Bunnies, and we'll see you in two weeks. If you go to prison, don't cause a riot. Please don't. Bye. Bye.
No flapjacks? Hashtag flapjacks for everybody. (laughs) Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.